listening to a podcast from joettecalabrese.com, where nationally certified American homeopath, public speaker, and author Joette Calabrese shares her passion for helping families stay healthy through homeopathy and nutrient-dense nutrition. This is Jendi, and I'm back with Joette Calabrese from joettecalabrese.com, and this is our series of what to expect when using homeopathy. So far, we've covered the number of doses, the spaces in between, and the other important details, and kind of focused on acute conditions. That was part one. In part two, we talked a little bit more about chronic conditions, and we covered how to watch for what Joette calls magic markers to determine whether the remedy was well chosen. Now, this is the third and last part of the series of what to expect when using homeopathy, and I'm looking forward to hearing about what to do if I choose a wrong remedy for a condition. Okay, so let's talk about some conditions take longer than others. Sometimes even remedies, certain remedies are slower acting, but generally it's the conditions. And in the corresponding article, I mentioned vitiligo. And for vitiligo, the Banerjee protocols have been shown to alleviate this problem in a certain number of people. It's not 100% for everyone, but it's generally a very long process with slow results. And, you know, I like to use musical terms. I know that you play instruments and I, do, I play piano. And so um, I love to use musical terms, and it might be called adagio, adagio. That's a very slow snail's pace. You know, and although homeopathy has a history of being able to treat psoriasis, it too has an elongated pace. And here is how it often fleshes out. I'll explain this to you. Uh, Pun intended, by the way, (laughs) Jenny. And you have another story for us about a little boy today. And I love it when you share the stories because I understand and I find I remember the example better. Yeah, it does help. Yeah, there's nothing like a story to demonstrate a point. So I'll tell you about Joseph, who's 10 years old. This is a case of a mother who's been taking my courses, online courses, and she's been following my blog for a few years. And also she's had other um, interests in homeopathy through other homeopaths as well, and then decided to take my course, Skin the Ugly Truth, and later Good Gut, Bad Gut. And this is where she learned how to master the Banerjee Protocols, which is uh, who I uh, promote uh, Um, indirectly, and she implemented them with her son. So Joseph had a few things going on. He was irritable, he had food allergies, but most importantly, um, he had kind of mid-level eczema until a few months ago. And then around that time, uh, probably two or three months ago, he his skin worsened, and so did his behavior. His rashes got very itchy, and his mother, Millie, um, figured it was something he was eating. So she thought it was probably, he was allergic to something. She kind of knew that all along anyway, but didn't have to pay too much attention to it until a few months ago. But she wasn't sure it was anything more than dairy and wheat. So um, the family had been on the GAPS diet kind of loosely. Um, And if you're not familiar with the GAPS diet, it's a good diet to help eliminate food intolerances and build up gut flora. Um, so the whole family was pretty much on it, but, uh, she was a little more strict with Joseph, particularly when he had some flares, but this was the worst that he'd ever had. By the way, for those who don't know about GAPS, it's a great therapeutic diet and can be used, um, but it's pretty difficult on moms because especially for kids such as Joseph's age 
who sneak candy bars and such. It's pretty tough. But but for the most part, Joseph was, is even though he was a little difficult of, as of recently, he was a rather compliant boy. So based on the information that she found on this blog, she gave Joseph Antimonium Crude 6, mixed with Arsenicum Album 6, twice daily for about six weeks. This is the Banerjee protocol that is pretty specific for itchy eczema. Now, not all eczema is itchy, um, but it's a really good place to start uh, when you see eczema coming forth. And then she had to check Joseph's skin like over and over to see how it was doing, right? Because I know I get impatient and I want to see how things are moving along. Right, right. Certainly it's difficult not to check. You know, and Joseph's skin day by day, even by hour, most moms want to, to see um, how things are progressing. But I urge parents to not get too caught up in this when it comes to a chronic issue because we need to look at the net gain in the long run to know where we stand. Um, I was in touch with Millie at the time and she was my student and I cheered her on, hold off for, from assessment, Millie, hold off. You can do it, which is, you know, as I said, difficult to do. But in this case, the Arsenica album and the Antimonium Tart, they weren't right after all? Well, that's right. It's easy to get muddled in the process of ebbs and flows. And what I mean by that is it could be a step forward and half step back, etc. So after the prescribed approximately six to eight weeks, Millie then decided to change course. And the reason is that when she assessed at the end of that time period, she noted that Joseph had a little less itching. You know, she was keeping kind of a record of it somewhat here and there. So based on the magic markers and determining the, that the progress, uh, determining the progress, she admits that the only change was that he was itching less frequently and that when he scratched, he would go into a frenzy. Now, that hadn't been happening previously. So it looked as though things were not really moving ahead as she had hoped. She so she concluded that there was no net gain in his condition, nor was there also any change in his demeanor. And that matters, too. We want to look at the whole person as well, um, even though we're, we're dealing with eczema and, and food intolerances. So Millie was most concerned uh, because his skin was vulnerable. And now he had cracks that oozed and bled a serous fluid. And this fluid, and this was as tough on Millie, as you can imagine, as it was on her son, even her husband uh, was also worried about infection since his skin was open in so many places. But Millie resisted because she too had eczema and experienced a lifetime of steroid use. And she had decided that she wanted to protect her son from, son from sufferings that she endured. And still to this day, as a matter of fact, from the fallout of the steroids. Um, and she also had noted that they never cleared up the problem and caused only new ones. So she was determined not to um, use steroids. Uh, I, I had nothing to do with this decision. This was because of her own experience. Once the six weeks had passed, she felt it was time, of course, to at least start looking at another protocol. And as I said, she had looked, she looked back at the coarse skin, the ugly truth, and the good gut, bad gut, of course. And I mentioned this because this is where I teach how to use these protocols very specifically. So she referred to her notes. And Millie remembered that petroleum 200, now this is homeopathic petroleum. We've had people who have commented on the blog say, well, petroleum is the worst thing you can use on skin. Well, that's precisely why petroleum 200 is so valuable because it's highly diluted and what causes illness um, removes illness uh, when used homeopathically. So she, she remembered that petroleum 200 is a remedy that is specific for eczema that worsens in the winter 
and presents with cracks. And of course, this was just a few months ago that um, she relayed all of this to me when it all began. So it had started to get really bad on his skin back in late November, early December. So <clears throat> she hadn't realized until she read the description of petroleum um, in her notes because she had been thinking that the problem was not because of going into winter as much as the fact that the family, the, the children had gone to their grandparents who routinely serve heaps of cookies, breads, and soda, sometimes even diet soda, she mentioned. <laughs> so uh, that's, that makes things a little difficult and it kind of scrambles up the information. And so then she figured that that diet was the cause of this Joseph's skin flare-up. Right, exactly. So Joseph was not getting a full night's sleep because of the skin or maybe vice versa. So then she was thinking, well, maybe, having checked her notes again, coffee 200 might be indicated because it is a perfect remedy, specific actually for itching that keeps the sufferer up at night. And again, here we go with coffee. You would think coffee, and that's from which it was, it's made, would keep someone up. And indeed, if we use it homeopathically, it does the opposite. So this is when Millie decided to change gears. She stopped using the antimonium crude in our Senecum album and instead switched to petroleum 200 and the, and she used it every other day and coffee 200 once at night and probably just around bedtime or after dinner sometime however millie didn't take an interim step that i believe she should have taken that is it would have been um a little bit cleaner um, and um, and i can't prove this but i mean we see this all the time that camphor 200 one dose for one day between the wrong group of remedies and a new fresh protocol is a part of the Banerjee protocol that helps clear the way and it allows for a smoother transition into the next remedies if the previous medicines didn't produce results. And when I say I can't prove it, because as you understand this story and how it unfolds, you'll see things worked out in the long run, even without camphor. But I'll be writing more on this subject soon, on the subject of camphor and, and antidoting. So Millie's new choice of remedies was right on in spite of this misstep, we might consider a misstep and not using camphor. But the coffee got him to fall asleep, right? And like a perfect remedy for insomnia, even though <laughs> it's coffee. So the like cures like is illustrated with the, her use of that. Right, exactly. You've got it. And he promptly fell asleep and stayed peacefully asleep the very first night after taking coffee at 200. And the reason I emphasize that is because sometimes it takes two, three, four nights, sometimes even a week or so, sometimes even longer than that for a remedy to act when it comes to something that's chronic. But that's what's interesting about this remedy is that it's even more specific for those who suffer not just from falling, inability to fall asleep, but who suffer from itching and the itching keeps them awake. So it's kind of a dual remedy. It's really great for when uh, the, the itching causes that insomnia. So uh, little to no scratching ensued. Joseph's mom knew this because she had always had her ear glued to the to the to her son's bedroom, the run run room over, and the sound of his scratching used to keep her up nightly, worrying with you know angst. I mean, we, that's what it's like. And on that first night, the only sounds she heard, she told me, were nothing but the soft sounds of his sleeping breath drifting from his room. So you can imagine how Millie must have felt that night. You know how mothers are. You know, we sleep better are knowing that um, everything is, is, is moving in the right direction and our children are well. 
Now, I call Millie now a homeopathic mom. It's been over two months of taking the new Banerjee protocols with the petroleum and a coffee. And Joseph's skin is not what she's reporting as perfect, but the itching is now about a 2 out of 10. And the condition of his skin overall in appearance and comfort is what I would call a triumphant 3. So now she has to figure out about the food intolerances? Yeah, that's right. We're not finished here. Just because we're seeing some good conditions here, the remedies will help with the skin. But unless we address the essence of the problem, which is the food intolerances, his skin will likely never fully recover. And we don't want him to live a life of abstinence in terms of his diet. His skin still responds to his diet. But remember, before he embarked on this method, it mattered not how carefully restrictive his diet was. His skin still tortured him. So... Millie plans to refer to her notes in Good Gut, Bad Gut, hoping to address this problem so that he will slowly be able to incorporate the more important aspects of his diet, especially dairy. And so that's a great story because it not only illustrates that the wrong remedy doesn't hurt them, it helps you find the other problems, it illustrates it kind of slow and steady, you got to keep track of it and watch it, don't get impatient, <laughs> a lot of right, things in right. there. Right, exactly, exactly. That's why I love telling these kinds of stories, it really does help a lot. This is what I call a return to traditional family values, where mothers and gr- grandmothers cure their families themselves and throw away the drugs of commerce that have never been shown to cure such conditions in the first place. Remember, the first remedies Millie's u- Millie used didn't really fail. They weren't exactly right. They, they did something. We did see a little something. They were simply ill-chosen. It was very important to for her to pay attention to the details of the skin and also what he was eating and know what symptoms she had to address first. So she had to draw out the telling and most important systems and conditions from the case. And that's something any mom can learn, right? Right. It's a skill learned. And it's a case in point. Even the wrong remedy choice can give us information that may have gone unnoticed or perhaps unavailable at the time. For those who are moms and grandmothers, I know what it's like to have your child feel better after months of suffering. Um, and now imagine that must that feeling of knowing that it was at your hand. So the thing is that a lot of times if we use a remedy that's incorrect, it brings forth the awareness that, oh, my gosh, this is really worse at night. He can't sleep. So then we have to look at a remedy that's specific to that. And she may. In fact, she didn't. She had not even noticed that. Um, until she had used those remedies and and recognized that, no, we're not only not moving forward, but, boy, this is a nightly issue, a sleep, an insomnia issue as well. And then, of course, she started to look at it in the, in the overall scheme of the timing and that it perhaps wasn't grandma's cookies and baked goods and, and diet soda. Perhaps that had more to do with the time of year. And then she um, that, that's when uh, petroleum came to mind. So I know these feelings, you know, is there anything on earth that's that's a better high than curing your own child? I know many of you who who listen to these podcasts have done it, and, and there's nothing like it. You get hooked. You can't stop. Once you cure a bee sting, once you cure an ear infection, once you resolve a, a, a horrendous fever or, or um, eczema, eczema for crying out loud, that doesn't have an end, naturally. Dermatologists tell us that children outgrow it. Well, no, 
It doesn't, it's not outgrown. It just shifts and becomes something else. You still have now the gut issue. And then in teenage years, what we often see is then there's acne related to the food intolerances or there's stomach aches that are related to the food intolerances. So no, it's not presenting as eczema for a dermatologist to deal with, but indeed we have not gotten to the bottom of the pathology. And I do want to remind the listeners, if you like what you're hearing in this podcast and the other ones, please share it with your friends, neighbors, your family, your co-workers, whatever. And I know whenever I learn things, then when another mom starts complaining about how their child's feeling or they're not feeling good or something, this stuff all goes through my mind. Like, you need to learn about this from Joette. <laughs> right, right. Well, the goal of a good homeopath is to give just enough guidance so that at some point, as soon as possible, you, as a mother or grandmother, can gain the knowledge from the new protocols to be able to follow through on your own. That's my role. So the role of the mother and grandmother is to do your homework and question, 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 even question me. I don't have all the answers. I'll be honest. I do the best I can in just getting out what I know. But just like Nobel said to Stuart Little in the movie Stuart Little, I'm dating myself here. He said, you've got guts, Stuart. You've got guts. You've got guts, spunk, and moxie. And that's the way I want mothers and grandmothers to, to uh, approach their family's illnesses. Thank you so much, Joette. This one, again, is full of information. I hope that they had a pencil and paper ready. If not, they can replay it and write things down. Or there's an accompanying blog post at joettecalabrese.com, right? That's right. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you, Jendi. Nice talking with you. Thank you for listening to this podcast with Joette Calabrese. If you liked it, please share it with your friends. 